You're listening to Optional Opinions, the only podcast done by average dudes for average Joes. So quit listening, Heath. So we're, we're going to talk about 1917. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a movie. It is a movie. <laughs> it's a movie that I, that I saw. Um, I as well. Me three. I probably saw it the most recent, so one of these days we're gonna start an episode and one of us isn't gonna watch it. I guarantee you it's gonna be Davis. But we're gonna <laughs> I mean that's already happened, but I mean, yeah, you guys just yeah. did one without me. But I think you're gonna just join in and just be like, I didn't watch it. <laughs> but all right, nineteen seventeen. Nominated for like how many Oscars? Like five? It's not it's nominated for ten Oscars. Holy frick. We got Best Picture, Best Cinematography, Best Sound Editing, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, Best Sound Mixing, Best Original Music Score, Best Director, Best Visual Effects, Best Production Design, and Best Original Screenplay. Dang. I'll be honest, I think it walks away with at least five. Yeah, this is a very good movie. Guys, I'm. this might be something that I regret saying in the future, because I've only seen it once, so this opinion might change after I watch it again. But I think this is my favorite war movie ever. Oh my goodness! I it, wow! Dude, look at you! I disagree I, so hard. Okay, that's fair. What do you think is better. Here's the thing. Well, <laughs> I'll say I'll save that thought for. Well, no, I guess I can say no. I don't think it was a very good like war movie per se. More so like an adventure film. It didn't really feel like a war movie to me. Yeah, Really? Yeah. I feel like a World War One movie, in order to be like a really good war film, I feel like they really didn't delve into like... I don't know. There wasn't even that much like war happening. You're just like kind of following these two guys. You know, there's a couple fight scenes, or not fight scenes, action scenes, but I don't think it was a really good war movie per se what do you what what would you add i guess to it that would make it quote-unquote a war movie that wasn't in it i mean just like the brutality of what world war one was like like all they really did was show a bunch of bodies and i don't feel like i don't know how many war movies have you seen because i've seen quite a bit the bodies were gross that's just I, I agree that they were gross, but I don't really think it delved in too much onto like how brutal World War One was, I guess. I think I, I, I think, know, I you're, think tra- you're, you're missing is just the fact that it is basically all one cut or it's made to look that way. No no no, I understand that. But well, it's no, just I like mean, I think that because it's that way, they couldn't really jump to different places and show you different sequences. No, I I agree. But that's why it felt more like an adventure film than it did a war film. Yeah. So I think if they would have cut around, it would have been, you probably would have felt it more of it as a war film because I I think generally, I don't think so. Do stuff. You sure? I don't know. I just think war films generally like they can cut to different action scenes a lot quicker and they can make the action scenes a lot 
more, I guess, exciting. The, the action scenes in this movie were very like thrilling, and you were kind of nervous for the guys, right? Basically, the whole time, which I thought was really good. But I, Brandon, I would say, have you seen Dunkirk? Yeah, I've seen Dunkirk. I I really enjoyed Dunkirk, um, but I just like this better. <laughs> okay. Um, I I don't I I I don't want to trail away from what Kyle said because I want to I want to get to the bottom of what you think needs to be added because like you say like there needs to be more I guess shows the the toll of war. There's there's a whole scene where they just show a bunch of civilians that have just been slaughtered. I don't it, know it, what more you like, want. It's not about the. <laughs> I, I don't want to see more dead bodies. Are you talking about like, are you talking about more like action sequences with like multiple like cavalry? I don't know. Like, to to, you, to me, a war movie is like, I don't know. I guess I always think of them as more so like if I want a really good war movie, I want it on more so of a giant scale rather than a like four hour event. You know what I mean? Like I want to see. I, I don't really know. I don't know what I'm. I'm saying. To me, this felt more like uh, a war movie than others. I understand why you say um, it. Kind of feels like an adventure movie. I get the bleed over into that category, but I think this almost felt more like a war movie to me because, like, because of the way they filmed it in like that the way it looked like one take you kind of got this like um they conveyed they they conveyed this sense of there's no breaks in war and so no matter like even at the points when they're like kind of like there's nothing happening but like there's still like you i at least i caught myself when there wasn't anything happening i was watching like the horizons to like make sure that there isn't like an ambush coming or something like that, or people like trying to sneak up on them. Like there, there's always this, like you're on edge cause you don't know what's going to happen. And I think that I guess encapsulates a war movie to me more so than like constantly cutting to different points and like having rest. And, and it, not that this movie didn't have like a resting plot spot, uh, <clears throat> resting places, but like it definitely breathed, but, I don't know. To me, it felt almost more like a war movie than other war movies I've seen. I know what you mean. It was definitely like I, I see both sides. I, it was definitely it was definitely a really good movie. I think it was just interesting because it's not conventionally how we see movies like that. I think it made it a little. I think that's where Kyle was coming from. And am I speaking for him? Absolutely. <laughs> Am I right? Probably. <laughs> um, but I think that might be where Kyle is coming from. It's just like it's not, it's not, it's not anything like we've seen, and it doesn't necessarily do anything to amplify. It does just follow these two guys, and I think um, it's it's a little bit like with Joker, where in the movie it's kind of it's not really a comic book movie. It's a good movie by itself. Um, but it's not really a Joker movie. Um, which is why Kyle hated it so much. True. But, (laughs) but I think, 
in this movie, it's more about it's more of like a journey movie than anything. Yeah, whether it's like whether it's wartime or not, I think that more just serves the situation rather than it being the situation. Yeah, I I think I agree. Like, I don't know. In my mind, it almost felt more like one of the Lord of the Rings movies than it did like a, a war movie. I don't know. Well, I mean, I I get what you're saying with the the Lord of the Rings because like both Frodo and uh, the main actors in this movie have like a mission where they have to go behind enemy lines. But I would argue that like along with the category of fantasy, Lord of the Rings is also about war and kind of like a war movie right yeah massive battle scenes and i don't i don't know i i think this is going to be a a spot where we just disagree (laughs) yeah i think so i mean i really enjoyed the movie don't get me wrong and like it's definitely one of my favorite movies well i guess i can't save the year because it was released so yeah it's the only one i've seen in january (laughs) but i like i thought it was really good i just I just don't think it was the best war movie. Okay, what's the... I I, I know I'm putting you on the spot with this. What's the best war movie to you? And Davis. I guess probably... I don't know. Maybe Saving Private Ryan. Trying to think of other ones. I know... I know it's been a long time since I've seen Saving Private Ryan. So I feel like I would appreciate it more now. um, Because I watched it in high school, which was before I cared about movies. And I was watching it in history class. So, like, I, I, I do want to go back and watch that one again. But, like, for me, I think the one that was my favorite before this, um, um, 13 Hours. Oh, yeah, that was pretty good. That one's good. I would say um, <laughs> I have a couple answers. If you want to go, if you want to go, like, strictly war movie, I'd probably say just because I – that's really the one I can remember is Dunkirk because that was really good and also yeah it was phenomenal it was Dunkirk yeah Dunkirk was really good Hacksaw Ridge was fantastic oh that's such a good movie yeah and then if you want to loosen your definition a little bit I would say Edge of Tomorrow because that like it is the future it's against aliens but they're in a war and I think that movie is awesome and Rogue One which ends up feeling like a war movie at the end. Which I was, I, really yeah, I, I was low key thinking you were going to say tropical thunder in one of those. <laughs> tropical <things>. thunder. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I was just thinking about that movie. Actually, Dude, it's probably cause did you listen to Joe Rogan? I did. That's why Dude, I literally, <laughs> I was like, Oh, Robert Downey Jr. I yep, listened to that. That was a good episode. And I literally watched the movie tropical thunder for the first time because of it. <laughs> Tropic thunder. Tropic, Tropic. Sorry. Sorry. My apologies. Apologies. Um, yeah, it's very funny. Yes, it is. Yeah, I, I guess I would just need to define for myself what I consider a war movie, but because I don't really know. But I don't know. T- to me, walking out of there, I was like, "Oh, that was a really good adventure film." But like, if I want to watch a war movie, I'm probably not going to watch that. Right. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. All right. So. Let's get into spoilers. There's not like there's one big spoiler. One of the guys that's... dies. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we need to give more than. <laughs> we we... Did, at least we didn't tell him which one. Yeah, but if you've seen the trailer, you know. But 
Yes, someone dies. And his name is Corporal Lance Corporal Blake. <laughs> um, That's true. I figured one of them might die, but I wasn't 100% sure. Um, and then all of a sudden, it's just boom, stabbed off camera. And I was like, I just was not expecting that, you know? But Yeah, that, I mean, since we're talking about it, we could talk about that whole sequence. But I just really liked that because you realize how it is uh, going back to our whole word movie conversation a little bit. It does make you realize that I think it just humanizes everything because this, like this German dude gets shot down and he's on fire. So they pull him out and be nice to him. And it, it, you just kind of remember like, Oh, there are people in those planes. It's not just, there's, they're not just mm-hmm. planes, you know? Um, but then to have, like, to have the German dude stab, uh, stab the, what did we say? Last Corporal Blake, stab Blake. It was, it, like, it was really sudden and really jarring. And I did kind of appreciate about that about the movie that it wasn't really, it wasn't a super big dramatic thing. Like all the drama mm-hmm. came afterwards, which I thought was, um, which I thought was interesting. And I did think it was interesting how quickly Schofield just kind of turned on the guy. Like they were helping him. He was going to get some water, turn around, he stabbed his friend and then he shoots him three times i think <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know like it just you know immediately um which i think kind of makes sense you know like at that point i think it's just kind of emphasizing that he's running mostly on adrenaline because like there's just this big plane crash they pull the guy out of the plane they think everything's going to be okay and then this entire other scenario happens that's like crazy and he's not ready for it and he just reacts kind of viscerally and just instinctively instead of really thinking through which i mean i think if he did think it through it would he would have probably done the same thing but that whole sequence to me was really interesting yeah i really one of my favorite parts of that scene was like how quickly like you just see the color disappear from uh blake's face like you there's just like this visible like this this visible and tangible like thing that just let you know like he's gone like there's nope there's nothing and it, and it was very emotional i felt like they did both the actors did a really good job i think i heard um that like they only rehearsed it once and the director was like don't rehearse this again. We're filming this right now because what you guys just did was perfect. And I want that don't change anything. Um, and just seeing the color leave his face, I felt like just did a really good job of like, obviously showing that he was dead, but I don't like they had to have done that in post. Like, I don't know how. Yeah. That was CGI. For like, sure. It was good. Like it looked really good. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I think most of the CGI in this movie is really good. There's one point where I was like, that looked really bad. But other than that, I think it looked really good. What what point was that? Because I wonder if it was the same point as me. 
This is when he was like falling down that waterfall or whatever. Exi- Actually, no, the waterfall I think was real. Or him, when he him, jumped into from the bridge or whatever. Yes, bridge to that, yeah. lake. That that's, was that's lake. what. Yeah, you could see a lot of rotoscoping. Um, yeah, Ugh, I thought that looked really bad. Yep, that was uh, the worst part for me. Everything else, like all the other CGI, like the church being on fire. That looked amazing. All that was True. was like a giant lighting rig. And they just had like, just to like have something actually on the set shining on the other people to give the yeah. illusion of fire. And then fire, the church and fire was just built on top of that in CGI. That looked fan- phenomenal. Like I didn't notice yeah, it. I agree. And I feel like that I normally really notice like CGI bits. Um, that, that's, that was probably one of my favorite sequences in like, like destroyed town. Um, just from a film perspective, because they actually used flares on a wire to to do those lighting effects. It, yep, like yep. those were actually flares, and oh, dude, it just looks so good. They timed out like the flares, and oh, I freaking love this movie so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could talk about more. We talk more about like the production that and everything that went into it. Yeah, I that's that's the thing. Like when you when you ask me about this movie, I'm gonna be like, yeah, technically this movie was just incredible. But if I want like a really good story in a movie, I, I mean, it was good. I just like, you know, I feel like this one is just so much better in the theater. Like I feel like it's just not even gonna be the same watching it at my house. Probably not. It just depends on how big your TV is. Um, <laughs> how big TV is and how good your sound is. Yeah, it's not true. as good as a movie theater. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rent this and watch it on my Apple Watch. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, that's Can that's how. That? This, no, <laughs> I don't have an Apple Watch. That's just what I named. Um, I have no it reminds clue. Reminds me of the. I think it was Honest Trailers on YouTube did an Honest Trailer for Gravity. They're talking about like wow, this is going to be awesome. Like this movie is so amazing and beautiful. And then you can watch it and rent it at like, see it at home, which probably won't be as exciting. Or I guess you could watch it on an iPad or on your phone. <laughs> Although, so down, they're like, please don't watch it on your phone. Like <laughs> it deserves more than that. <laughs> so one thing that is actually happening, it happened. Um, I don't know if you guys pay attention to consumer electronics show or whatever it is but um basically every year there's a giant conference where a bunch of you know tech companies like show off new you know tech essentially Mm -hmm. and one of the things there was um some of the newer tvs i I think maybe lg or samsung i don't remember but they have like a theater mode on their tvs so it'll play everything like exactly how the movie was shown in theaters. So it shows, you know, aspect ratio, like how many frames per second, all that stuff is like identical to how it is in the, in the movie theater, which is Oh, wow. That's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. And Christopher Nolan was a huge part behind that. And I'm pretty sure there are a few other big directors that were like really pushing for it. Hmm. So yeah, yeah. anyway, your home (laughs) viewing experience might improve in the future. Still, dude, I want to. I want a home theater and and my future home that I don't own currently. Um, someday, someday. But uh, but yes, back back to the movie. Let's let's reel it back. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I think that 
that sequence in the town was my favorite. I thought that the them introducing that uh, French girl with the baby, I didn't really see that coming. That kind of was like, I don't, I don't, I think it fit well with the scene, but like, I don't know. That's that. I felt like that that I scene could have been a little bit better. I thought it took me out of the movie. I don't know. Yeah, I. Yeah, I think the worst part for me, this is probably my least favorite part of the movie, um, was just they were like trying to communicate, but like they were still both speaking their own language, basically, and understanding each other slightly. Like, I think they tried to break it up where they like, oh, they knew they both know a few words and one of the other languages, but the conversations that they were having, they should not have been able to understand each other. I didn't feel like. Um, more like yes referencing or pointing and stuff yeah i don't that that kind of bothered me i think it would have made more sense if like he knew a little bit more french or something like that or she knew a little bit more english and like she was trying to communicate like in a broken english but like they were still getting by but it was like kind of both of them know like one or two words in the other language and somehow they can have full conversations i don't know that bothered me yeah, I, I think that was just, like, I, I understand why it was there, and it, it, like, you know, made you care about him more since you kind of knew that he had a kid from that whole conversation. Mm-hmm. But, like, I yeah, I don't know. That was that was my least favorite scene in the movie. Just cause, no, like, I, I agree. It just took you out of it. But then again, I understand it because, like, you know, he got knocked out and his watch wasn't working, and he really didn't know what time it was, and it was still dark outside, so, like, yeah, mm-hmm. I thought the scene with the the clock was really good, you know. No, yeah, it, I like, agree. But yeah, yeah, that was probably probably one of my least favorite parts. Um, but then we get to uh, him running and jumping off the bridge, the worst part of the CGI, and then goes down the river. I thought that scene looked pretty good. And then wait, they get was, no, the bridge was before that. No. He gets no. He yeah. gets knocked out, and then he goes into the town, and right. that's where he finds the French lady. With the right. No, no, okay, I'm talking about a different bridge. Sorry. The yes, the bridge you're talking about did happen before that. The bridge where he jumps off into the water and then goes down the waterfall happens after. Right. 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 Um, it does you're right? Okay. Sorry. Sorry for the yeah, confusion. Yeah, yeah. Because he's running. That makes more sense. Yes. Um. And then uh, he gets to the end. I didn't notice this on my first showing, uh, but I kind of alluded to it earlier um, with the, like, m- like civilian massacre. Like at the end, when he's like swimming all over those bodies, not one of those people is wearing uh, a military uniform. Those are all civilians. Yep. Yeah. And I like. I think they did a good job of making it apparent. I just didn't catch it on my first go, but that was like, oh man. These these guys are just slaughtering people. Have you guys have you guys seen the YouTube video of like I'm assuming Brandon has because he referenced a few things they talk about. But that um, they go, it's like a insider behind the scenes of like how they filmed it to look like one shot and stuff. Yes, dude. Yes, that was okay. so good. I, yeah, that was really cool to watch. And I also listened to um my, the other movie review podcast I usually listen to. It's called Mad About Movies, and they had a guest on there who's like, 
he guests or he, you know, shows up fairly often in their reviews, but he's like works in Hollywood and works in the industry. And he actually got to go see the movie. Like, I think it was like one of the first screenings ever done for this movie. And he saw it with like after the movie that did a panel with um, Sam Mendes or not Sam Mendes. What the heck? What's it? What's the director's name? Sam Mendes. It is okay. I I don't know why I got so confused. Anyway, with him and then the the main actors and then the cinematographer. Um, so I'm blanking on his name right now too. But anyway, there was like a panel, and he was saying that um, they did so much like prep work for this movie that literally, um they like walked out this movie like they started walking out the path the actors did like months before they even started shooting anything and so the two main actors were saying like legitimately right now they could walk the entire movie from memory just because of how much they they practiced it and then like apparently in the panel they like got up and walked through their first like couple minutes of the movie or whatever everyone's laughing but yeah, that's that's so really it's cool. just crazy how much like prep work and like you know it's necessary when you're doing so many of these like really long shots to like right. you have well, to know where you're going. That's the thing with these with this movie is that um, I can't remember if I saw this in the YouTube video or if it was the, with the director interview podcast thing you listened to, but basically like the reason they had to do that was so that they could get the timing because if they wanted a scene to be eight minutes long or whatever, they would have to like, they, they would had build out the, the scene. Yeah. They would have to make the set eight minutes worth of walking around and doing stuff. Yeah. That was, that was in that one YouTube video. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like you, which it, if possible, we should just like link out. that to this. Episode. That's, that's what I was, I was going to say afterwards. This, that link will be in the description. So it's worth a watch. It's definitely, it's definitely really interesting. And I think it's really cool just how they did everything and how much planning and even um, in terms of cinematography, how like lighting works and you have to, I think this was in the director interview, but basically they had to figure out ways to properly light the scene that made sense because um, you can't like, if you're doing these 360 shots, these 180 shots, you can't just have a light, there like well mm-hmm. it might be convenient you can't just have that there so um so you have to find ways around to like with the flares like with um apparently they just did a lot of shooting on sunny days and the cloudy days or yeah cloudy days sorry um the, the cinematographer was just like looking at the weather app just waiting just hoping that it would be cloudy enough to where they could get the right light and not too sunny where there'd be too harsh of shadows. Um, it's yeah. So it's a lot of prep work. Did you know in that, uh, did, did you guys, was that in the YouTube video in when they went into the bunker to see the general that sent them on the mission in the first place? Yeah. About how they had to like switch everything around. I think so. maybe not. Maybe I'm no. Maybe that wasn't that wasn't else. in the YouTube. Video. So no. So how they did that 
Um, I think they said that was on a set and basically they walked into the bunker and they, I think they had it properly lit. Um, like the first uh, behind them, when you walk into the bunker, they had a crew and they walk in, get past the crew. And while they are talking, the crew behind them is working like crazy. Like literally, I think he said they lifted up the set was like split in half and they lifted up the set, like took, took lights out, took like put stuff back in so that when they turned back around, they could walk back out. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. That whole sequence was uh, like, they were replacing stuff while they were talking to Colin Firth, they were replacing stuff. They were doing all kinds of light changes and everything. And then by the time they turn back around, everything's fine. Dang, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, you really have to admire just the amount of planning that has. Oh yeah, and like how they changed terrain so much, and like the guys were literally holding a pole with the camera, and then they'd attach it to a crane, and then they take it back off the crane, all like mm-hmm. continuously shooting. Right. So cool. That because the, like there is like some like aspects. I'm just like, how did they go from like this slow tracking? To all like this, like almost like a motorcycle, because like, that's what they use. They used a motorcycle. So like, like you said, they would put like they'd be hand holding it, and then go to a crane, then go to a motorcycle, and it like the seamlessness transitions between those like different modes of transportation for the camera. Those transitions just being as seamless as they were. Uh, it I love that so much. It's, it's just another reason why I love this movie so much. But, and there are so many. Um. I kind of want to talk about my favorite. This is my favorite part of the movie is how they casted these two no-name actors, George McKay and Dean Charlie, Charles Chapman, Dean Charles Chapman. And uh, like no one's heard of these guys before. Um, I I suspect that they're going to have pretty big futures ahead of them because they both did a phenomenal job. Um and yeah, then they I remember uh I think George McKay was on he was on uh Jimmy Fallon and apparently Sam Mendez when talking about this when talking about this movie he was saying like he wanted to cast two unknowns and Jimmy Fallon was like well, how do you how do you feel about being called an unknown and George McKay was like I mean I am <laughs> like <laughs> I think, you know it doesn't matter how I feel about it like that's just what I am and yeah Jimmy Fallon said I don't think you are anymore yeah, no, the, the, these guys have got a bright future in front of them, in my opinion. Um, I think in like three to five years, the, they're going to be like common uh, household names for uh, good movie actors, along with um, who was his uh, Colonel or Corporal Blake's brother. What's that actor's name? I forget. His brother. His brother at the very end, he's in Game of Thrones, I think. Yeah, and then he's also in a... um, I mean, I know he's um He's supposedly like an up and coming actor. But the reason I bring that up is just because I I really appreciated them sprinkling in really famous actors for like a five minute scene. Um and that probably was a majority of this movie's budget, to be honest. Um but the reason I like that so much is because you have these two nobody actors and like you almost kind of relate. Cause they kind of like just 
blend in with all the other extras in a sense. And when they see like a general, um, there's that recognition that they have because of like their uniform that we necessarily don't have. But that movie gives us that recognition by making it a famous actor. Um, so it's like I another think about that. That's really cool. Yeah. So it's like another way of like them situating you like the camera and the audience, like they are another character almost in this movie and they, and they like help you along with that recognition by having like Benedict Cumberbatch or um, who are, who are the other guys? Colin Firth, Mark Strong. Yeah. And um, that, that was probably my favorite part uh, out of this whole movie. That, that, little detail that made a big difference i think yeah i didn't really even think about that but i do i do kind of agree i think if they had like you know brad pitt as one of the guys it would mm-hmm. the whole movie would have been like oh there's brad pitt he's walking oh brad pitt's doing that you know and just because they have these two guys who are still very good actors but they can do they can really it does really feel like they're just part of the background and it does um, originally I thought it was kind of weird that they would get these big name actors, especially like Benedict Cumberbatch where you show up, like they show up and Benedict Cumberbatch is there and he just kind of tells them to screw off. And like, I do basically I do what I want, go away. And then he gives them a message. like, all right, fine. Take them back. Go away. And I think yeah, that, that, was, that was the cool. thing. Like, I, yeah, like, when I was watching I was it, like, what the heck? Like, why? <laughs> when I was watching, I was like, why did they need Benedict Cumberbatch to do that? I was like, that's so unnecessary. <laughs> that's like, but I guess that that aspect makes sense of where like you're trying to, you know, show that it people know who these people are. Like that makes sense, but mm-hmm. yeah, to show to show. Uh, like I feel like the movie's the same whether it's Benedict Cumberbatch or some other dude. We have no idea who it is, you know. <laughs> Yeah. I think it just gives you a little bit more uh, perspective. I think it helps tell the story a little bit better. I don't think, like, overall, the movie doesn't change those, like, if those actors are different. But, like, it's just that recognition that the actor, the main characters have that that you are also given. So, I just really, I really like that part. Um, um, plus, it uh, makes for a good trailer because you can put, those actors in the trailer. Yeah, literally. <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> that, that thought is, also went into my head. That is also true. <laughs> but, uh, like, but you yeah. know, at least a few people went and saw it because he was in it. <laughs> yeah. A few, yeah. At least a few people were like, what the heck? Where's, <laughs> where's Benedict Cumberbatch? I know they were so let down. <laughs> He's like two minutes. Yeah. I, how do you, how do you guys feel about, so, you know, obviously it was the whole one, one take thing. Um, but one thing that didn't really, I don't know, quite make sense to me was, was, so it's a a two hour movie, right? I think, how long was it? Yeah. It's an hour and 59 minutes. mm -hmm, Just under two. Right. So you're with these guys for two hours and they get called into the general's room and they're like, you know, do you think you can make it to this place by morning? And it literally took two hours for them, less than two hours for him to get there, right? Because we're with him the entire time. 
Mm-hmm. Right. I think the main so the main thing is the distance gets, was well when he gets knocked out, we don't know for how long. Plus, well, well correct. They we don't said, know how long, but we're still with him the entire time, like the entire distance he's traveling. Right. I think they said um, that it would be that it would take. I think I could be wrong about this, but they said it would take four hours to walk there from here. And okay. I don't, so I don't ever remember that. But. I could be wrong about that, but so like, if that's the case, they're not walking most of the time. Like, there's a lot of running that's involved. There's a lot of there's driving. Does, so, right, but there's also a lot of time never. spent not actually moving too. You know, like there, that whole no, there scene is. he's yeah. with the girl and where they're at the house and the plane crash and like, I don't know. That just felt a little unrealistic to me. Why they would. You know, it the distance wasn't really that far, and I feel like if they would have taken a longer, safer path, they would have gotten there before the morning anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do think, I mean, I definitely think that the movie did adhere specifically to, like, this is exactly how long, you know, like, because I think one of the things, if you were to ask the director that question, they'd say, you don't know how long he's knocked out for. Um, and you don't know how fast the truck is going when he gets in the truck, but also that whole scene is like eight minutes and how fast can a truck go? Right. You know, and, but, and the river scenes, but, but yeah. yeah, and the river scene goes, you know, goes a little faster, but I, 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 I get what you're saying. I think it, that's just a little bit of, you gotta, this kind of suspension of belief. And, and I do agree movie. with you. That was that was one of my critiques after I left the theater. Um, I am just playing devil's advocate, uh, but I do think that I am pretty sure that four-hour comment was made uh, in the beginning. Um, but yeah, I I do think that there might that you do have to suspend your disbelief just a little bit for that for that to work. Well, it, I, the thing is, that's the whole point of the movie, though. So if that doesn't work, how does the like? Why does the movie make sense? You know, like strategically. But, uh, but also, not everybody's like you, Kyle. Not everybody. <laughs> makes sense. That's true. I do that's think true. Like I said, I think it was a critique of mine coming out of the movie. But like the more I think about, it, I do think it works. Um, just because, like, with your point, like, oh well why don't they just go like a slightly longer route that's safer? It's like world war one intelligence, I think is very low on like where their enemy is. And the only intelligence they have is basically the quickest way between us and them, the Germans are gone. So go that way. Uh, we have no clue where else they are. Cause like you, all that you know is they're gone. You know, the fog of war is a big aspect in that. And so they can't just be well, like, Oh, well, we're just going to go planes flying around. They could have scouted out like, you know, like that was how they got their intelligence. The plane was in the air flying around. They could see this stuff. Right? Yeah, but planes were insanely slow back then. Like, yes, they could have. But I think, I don't know if there's necessarily like an airfield right next to them, you know, and if they're going over no man's land, they're probably more than likely getting shot down. I think the intelligence like just isn't there and that quick. And I think they just have to get, go with what they have, you know? Yeah, I just... Yeah, I guess I see that, but I don't know. That that's just like the whole strategy behind, you know, sending two guys into the unknown to save a whole crap ton of people just I don't know. I feel like that's a hard 
a hard conclusion to reach that that's the best idea. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's just kind of the best. They're working with the best they got, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what do you like with with with? I'm sorry, I don't I, I don't want to. We can move on after this. <laughs> I'm sorry, um, but like just given that it's like World War One, like this this war literally started off fighting with like horses and like cavalry and like ended with tanks no one knew what the heck they were doing you know like even the most of the generals were probably more than likely just really wealthy individuals that knew people in power and they're like hey you can be a general like there wasn't a whole lot of like uh there there wasn't a whole lot of people that really knew what they were doing right yeah so Sorry, go ahead, Davis. <laughs> so I want to talk about, or I just want to get your guys' opinion. How, what did you think of um, it all being one shot? And I, I'll preface this with my thoughts. So I think the good was um, kind of realizing that I remember uh, getting in the car, when, like when we were in the car or they were in the truck, I remember thinking, like, oh, okay, usually in most movies, I just kind of been trained, like, you get in a truck, you cut to, you get someplace. Or you get over a ridge, you see a farm, you cut to them at the farm, whatever. And those couple times when they didn't cut and really just kind of took the time to sit and they were talking to each other. And I think that is kind of, it actually, I think, helped the movie because it made me think like we are stuck with these people we're not going to cut somewhere else it's not like time isn't going to speed up we are stuck with whatever happens to this guy we're stuck with what happens to him it doesn't so like and honestly through the movie it kind of feels like he could die you know so i think in those situations it felt like oh where um like if he doesn't make it out of this the movie's over or you know, like it just kind of seems like there's all these obstacles that we have to get through together on the other side, especially at the very beginning when they're walking through the trenches, I, so going in, I knew that it was supposed to be all one cut. Um, and th- this might just be me, but so when I knew that it was all one cut, I immediately, as soon as the movie started, I started looking for places where <laughs> same, yes yep (laughs) they were like some of them were so obvious yeah i think that kind of took away from the movie a little bit for me i didn't notice it as much at the end um at the end of the movie but definitely at the beginning when they're walking through the trenches anytime um somebody would pass by or they would go into a room or something they go cut there cut there cut there and i i do feel like it kind of took away a little bit from the um from what they were trying to do. I, I mean, I get it because it would be weird if it was just them walking down, walking down these trenches and there was nobody there, nobody getting in their way. You know, the camera didn't have to separate from them at all. They were constantly like just constantly right on them. Um, it wouldn't have made logical sense, but I don't know. I feel like it would have helped the exposition a little more. What do you guys think about that i i think it definitely added a lot like it made sense for this movie you know 
the whole point of the movie is I'm getting from point A to point B. So, like, it makes sense. You're always walking with them. You know, the camera's constantly with them. And, like, yeah, I definitely think it added to the movie and it was the right decision for this movie. But I also think it, like, by the end of the movie, I just, like, like, I didn't really appreciate it as much. It's almost like too much of a good thing, you know? You stop appreciating it as much. So, like, at the beginning, I was like, wow, this is really cool. But by the end of the movie, you're just kind of used to it. Whereas in, like, other movies where they just do a few scenes like that, you just really appreciate it a lot more. And I feel like, in that sense, like, I kind of just grew accustomed to it. But that doesn't take away from how incredible it was that they did it, you know? And I definitely did find myself like, oh, I wonder if where they're going to cut next. And yeah, I it definitely did take away a little bit too for me, Davis, because I enjoy looking for that stuff. And I'm pretty sure I saw like one part where the like transition or the cut happened and they like froze a frame and it didn't blend super well. Like I think I caught one where it was like, ooh, that was like a frozen frame. <laughs> of course you, you know, did. like. <laughs> because <laughs> like i was looking for that because i was like well if they're gonna go for it you know i'm gonna pay attention to it right yeah so. and i think that because like i definitely found myself doing that too and i think it's gonna be hard going into a movie like this not almost like challenging yourself it's just like i bet i can see where all the cats are you know right and so I think it's more of like, um, I, de- I do think I was distracted by that, basically the whole movie, throughout the whole movie. But I don't think it was so much of a distraction to take away from the overall experience for me. I think that having it one cut ultimately uh, serves more storytelling purposes uh, than... Um, it takes away. Yeah, I think... Yeah, ultimately, I think it does more good for the movie than anything else because it makes me. Agreed. Th- there's there's a lot of scenes where, like in a normal war movie, I just would have been like, "Okay, that just happened," but like with it being one cut, you almost felt like you were there, and there were scenes where you're just like, "Oh wow, I cannot believe that happened!" Like when he stabs his hand with the barbed wire and then sticks it in a dead body, and it's just, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, "Oh, bro, I was just, I was." I felt so much pain just inside myself, just seeing that just cause I, it felt like I was there with him. Um, ultimately I, I do, like I said, I think it does more good for the movie than it, anything else. Um, but yeah, that, that I think we all kind of feel the same way. I don't, I do think that I wouldn't consider this one of my favorite war movies without that. Um, yeah, I, th- I, I kind of had myself questioning that too. I was like, is this as good of a, like, and, and that's kind of what went into me thinking of how much I enjoyed this as a movie. Like how much of it was just the fact that they made it look like one shot or like how technically good it was. And, and that's why, that's why I kind of said earlier that like, if I wanted a movie with a good story, you know, I'm probably not going to try and watch this movie just cause like, I think a lot of it is the cinematography that makes it so good which which is fine and like 
know, mm-hmm. this was the easiest Oscar ever. Like everyone knows it's going to win the Oscar for cinematography. Like it's not even a, a debate. Right. No. So it's like, <laughs> it's like, like I appreciate it and I thought it was technically awesome, but like without that, like, you know, is this movie that good? Is You know, I, I do think that it's a very simple story. Um, but I do think that it is a good story. I mean, it's not like a story that's completely unique. Like we said earlier, like you see the story in Lord of the Rings, um, to some extent. And so like, I do think that it is a good story, but it's not like the most spectacular story. Yeah. Which is why it was, you said it was nominated for screenplay, right? Yeah. I don't, yeah, I, don't think I hope it, it doesn't win for screenplay. No. I'd be pretty bummed if it did. Yeah. Um and we and we can go over more of the Oscar stuff in uh our next episode. So it'll be a little bit closer to Oscar season. Um so let's talk a little bit about the uh how this was kind of based off of Sam Mendez's was it great uncle? Is that right? I think uh, it was grandpa or something. His great grandpa yeah, or just grandpa. I remember he One of said those. in that in that director thing, he said that him like him and his brothers kind of used to make fun of his grandpa, great grandpa, a little bit, just because he would always wash his hands. And one time they asked him, or they asked his dad, they're like, "Why? Why does his grandpa always wash his hands?" And he was like, "It's because he was in the trenches and he could never get clean." And oh wow, I didn't just, hear about that. Well, yeah. It, so I think. I think I do think they did a good job, especially at the very beginning when they're walking around in the trenches and then walking out into no man's land, just how gross and dirty they get, you know? Um, I think they did do a good job of conveying that. I, I disagree a little bit. I don't think they went far enough with how gross and dirty the trenches actually were. How gross? What do you mean? There were dead bodies. If, if, you, if you, like, read up about, like, war and trenches and stuff in the history books, and, like, pretty much every single one of the people in the trenches had, like, what's called trench foot, and it was really disgusting. And if you see pictures from people in the trenches in history books, they, like, make you want to puke a little bit just because of how disgusting it actually was. And I feel like most of the time in the trenches, we just saw people just like laying around or like sleeping. Like it didn't seem that dirty to me. I don't know. Eh. I, I don't just, know. Like, but, yeah, I like, I can't say that like I've seen those images that you've talked about, but there has to be at some point a line that like, you're just like, I don't want my audience to vomit while they're watching this movie, you know, like there, there is like a line that like from like that we've talked about in the past, like whether movies ride, uh, realism or versus like, kind of like more just like for the story sake. Um, we talked about that in the last episode, I think. And there, there does has to be some sort of like balance between the two. So I don't know. I, yeah, I do think, that's true. Like, I get your point, but I just think you're wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> I understand you. I respect you. You're wrong. 
but yeah um wow we're already at about an hour um oh, no so okay. there's still a lot that i think that we could talk about this movie but we do have to to wrap it up just because we don't have that much podcasting time <laughs> so uh kai what's your nitpicky thing oh yeah is it the frame? Um, it might have been the frame. There's also, I don't know, the part where he was like sniping at the one guy in the in the building. I didn't really count, but I think he shot way more times than he actually, or like one or two more times than he actually had bullets for. Yeah, didn't confirm are, it. Some might not be too. true. I wasn't sure. I will say I don't remember when that when they were in that bunker and it started caving in the German one. I don't remember him picking up his rifle ever like after he was uh, that too yeah i was gonna bring that up too yeah mm, okay yeah that's true so there you go um yeah and i never saw him actually reload his gun i guess he loaded it at one point never reloaded it yeah um, um anyway just something this can be my upvote well i have two upvotes anyway we can do upvotes and downvotes now really quick uh because of the director thing they were talking about that last sequence brandon we posted on our Instagram at optional opinions on Instagram, optional opinions, pod, optional opinions, pod on Instagram. Um, Brandon, you posted that there are, would you say like 40 lines of dialogue or something? Uh, no. it's 25 lines of, Oh wait, yeah. It's 40 lines of dialogue in the last 45 minutes. I think I'm going to look it up just to make sure. Right. Um, so that whole time when he's in the town, when he's like, there's this flame, everything's on fire, the flares, when he's getting out of it, the director kind of made that as a, um, he crossed that or made that, uh, he compared that to when he got into the town, a little bit of like his descent into hell where everything's burning, everything's dark. It's really scary and really tense. And then, um, literally, he said, like, literally climbing over dead bodies to get out mm-hmm. um, and then to make it back up into the land of the living where the, um, like, the dude's singing yeah, kind of cool. like an angel siren song thing, which that was really cool. Also, I did really appreciate at the very end that it comes full circle where he's sitting in a tree again. And we realize how much he has sacrificed. Like we have confirmation that he has a wife and kids. We realize how much he really did put it out on the line. Like how much he really did have to lose throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and it was 20 lines of dialogue in the last 45 minutes of the movie. Yeah. But yeah, I'd say, and, I, and I've talked about both the, my favorite parts and my least favorite parts. Probably um, the scene with the girl in um, the town. That was, I think, mostly just to like add uh, emotional stakes to this character. Um, possibly dying. I think that's all it was there for. And I don't think, I think there could have been better ways to do that. Um, and like I said, my favorite part was just having the my upvote would be the um, really famous actors being like all the important people um, kind of putting you more in the story. So Kyle. Yeah. I mean, my upvote is just 
the cinematography and how technically well this movie was done and all the preparation that went into it i think it really showed um downvote yeah probably the scene with the the girl i don't know i just didn't really find it necessary but i also feel like in a lot of war movies there is that kind of scene where they find some girl and a kid and i just it did not catch me off guard it's it's very yep that checks (laughs) so (laughs) but so, yeah. so what you're saying is it's another check mark for a war movie. Uh? <laughs> uh? If you want to go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're we're out of time. Go, uh, go. If you want to see more um, movie facts, you can follow us at Optional Opinions Pod on Instagram, and uh, we we'll talk about this more in the next episode. But we also have a Letterboxed uh, account. Uh, at optional opinion not plural um, because for some reason you can't use 16 characters for a username um, so we couldn't do the S but follow us there we'll we'll keep you up to date uh, on the movies that we're watching movies we're looking forward to watching and um, just more reviews uh, other than what we do on the podcast so um, I'd like us to close off this uh, podcast by saying our name and the podcast that you look forward to the most every single week that you listen to. So like if you have a bunch of podcasts queued and then all of a sudden this podcast posts, you clear the queue and play them. Uh, my name's Kyle and I'd say favorite podcast is probably not another D&D podcast. My name is Davis. Boy, I have so many. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's the one that I consistently would clear my queue for is either Ear Biscuits by Rhett and Link of Good Mythical Morning or Dear Hank and John from the Vlogbrothers. Um, those are both very good, but also I usually clear my queue to listen to this podcast because I love hearing myself talk. So there you go. <laughs> uh- <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'm Brandon, and my favorite podcast is No Dumb Questions. All right. Well, see you guys. (laughs) Bye. Peace.